There's a haiku by 17th century poet Mizuta Masahid that reads, My house burned down. Now I can see the moon. What at first sounds like a lousy way to look at the sky is actually a Zen description of how we can free ourselves of not only our house, our possessions, but also our assumptions, our thoughts and beliefs, and arrive at enlightenment. Of course, enlightenment comes at a price, but to many, it is worth it to lose everything to achieve peace, to reach that higher plane. Kenny Roby seems to have lived this poem over the last year, and the result is his musical testament to witnessing his own metaphorical house burn down. Kenny's album The Reservoir shows the scars of divorce and the loss of family members and friends, including the loss of his friend and musical partner Neil Casal. But as heavy as all that was and is, the result is a revelation. As awful as it sounds to take the journey that Kenny Roby took, the destination is all the more alluring. Listening to The Reservoir is to witness what it is like to go through great hardship and come out with balance and calm, and even manage to keep a sense of humor. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, and this is our episode on Kenny Roby, which includes my conversation with the native South Carolinian who now lives in upstate New York, as well as Dave Schools, who picked up production duties after Neil Casal's passing. And of course, lots of new music from Kenny Roby throughout. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. The year was 1994, when Six String Drag released its self-titled debut album, which started off with this song, She's a Hurricane. Those were heady days for emerging artists who were dubbed alt-country, pioneers like Uncle Tupelo, the Jayhawks, and Whiskey Town, along with bands like Kenny Roby's Six String Drag, would help propel the subgenre into the national spotlight and open the door for many fans to discover the foundations of that sound and go back to those bands' influential artists in styles like classic country, bluegrass, and rockabilly. 
Six String Drag changed out a couple of its members after their debut and signed with a major label. This was about the time that Kenny Roby struck up a longtime friendship with another up-and-coming artist, Neil Casal, who released his debut album Fade Away Diamond Time in 1995. I asked Kenny about his time with Neil, who was his original producer for The Reservoir. Well, Neil and I have known each other for a long time. Um, we met back in 96 through our mutual friend and uh, manager, Gary Waldman. Um, uh, right around the time uh, we were f- finishing up uh, Hi-Hat, uh, our second record that was on Steve Earle's label that he had produced. Um, and uh, Neil... Uh, Neil and I hit it off r- right away, uh, both kind of being roots music geeks and uh, just sort of students of that stuff, um, just fanboys, um, and just had a lot of a lot in common, you know. Um, both, you know, it's interesting. We talk about uh, isolation and and. Y- you think of people who are struggling with things and isolation or depression or whatever it is that they're always the, um, you know, sort of somber, uh, withdrawn, um, cats, uh, like Nick Drake characters, you know, those kind of musicians, but, but, you know, there's, there's guys like Neil and I who are super outgoing and kind of gregarious and, and, opinionated, outspoken, and uh, sort of at times, sort of those fun-loving guys. Um, I think Neil and I related in that way. We both had a side of us that was, you know, had some darkness and could be sort of reclusive, and uh, but also had a side of us that was just outgoing and fun-loving and and goofy. And uh, I think we related to each other in that way. Um, A lot of us musicians do. and Neil and I, when Six String Drag broke up in 98, Neil invited me to open up for him solo on a European tour, which we did England, Ireland, and Scotland uh, for about five weeks. And then we spent a little time in France together as well. So we got even closer then and um, kept in touch over the years and would send each other records of, uh, of our own stuff or demos. Um, kept in touch in and out here and there. And, um, the last few years, um, when he started touring with, uh, Chris Robinson brotherhood more, um, they started doing the East coast a lot and they were playing Raleigh a couple times a year. So I would go out and either see them or meet him for dinner. Um, or when he was playing with circles around the sun, they were starting to play around some as well. Um, and, I I had sent Gary Waldman a couple of my new songs um, and Gary played them for Neil because Gary was out on some of the circles around the sun dates and, and Neil texted me man I'd really like to hear more of this stuff these songs are really really good uh, he said he thought they were kind of next level for me and I think it was Old Love and one other song that I'd sent him or that Gary had played for him. And then I said, great, man, I'll, I'll send you some more stuff. Uh, I got this other one that I need to make a demo of. And I made a demo um, on my iPhone uh, really quickly of a brand new song, Don't You Know What's On My Mind, 
well, it wasn't brand new. It was a few months old, um, but I'd never played it before. I picked it up and just started strumming on the guitar, doing this little Woody Guthrie, Carter family kind of run, and uh, sang it really quickly into the phone. And uh, basically the first take I ever did completely of it or played through the song, I'd recorded it and I sent it to Neil. And he started uh, calling my phone, which was really rare for Neil. We, we generally texted. <laughs> um, so I was like, why is Neil calling? And then uh, I looked at a message and he said, man, uh, I got to talk to you. Uh, I, I want to work on this in some form. Um, he said some, Neil and I are both full of hyperbole. He said something like, oh, I, I'd walk 100 miles through barbed wire to work on this record, man. This is the one I want to work on. All the Beatles, Golden Eagles, don't you know it's on my man? Do the canteens full of dreams, don't you know it's on my man? Don't you know it's on my man? My mama told me I was special, she never saw me in the dark. A soft truth and a wet confession, I'm dressed in a mess and double part. I got ten memories in my pockets, ten big rigs shrunk down to fit. Way down by ten thousand rocks and ten ghost drivers running them rigs. Water beetles, golden eagles, don't you know it's on my mind? Dirty canteens full of dreams, don't you know it's on my mind? Don't you know it's on my mind? Hit the highway, walk the chalk, and run away from the nose you most. I get you where I don't even talk to the youngest son of the grandiose. Maybe you don't understand me, maybe then you do too well. I've been looking for love to save me, like a baby stole from hell. Water beetles, golden eagles, don't you know it's on my mind? There are canteens full of dreams, don't you know it's on my mind? Don't you know it's on my mind? I never understood how people can make a laugh and be okay. I got a pill from Dan at the sawmill, now for me it's the only way. Wanna drink, go get it quick I wanna give up and fall away Tow that cliff in Oregon And come back here some other day Water beetles, golden eagles Don't you know what's on my mind There are canteens full of dreams Don't you know what's on my mind Don't you know what's on my mind gonna have to put up a fight and you're gonna have to lay down too hold the day and ride the night don't sound right it's what you gotta do three-quarter moon on a summer night two buffoons and a pure delight georgia sun and a houston rain i ain't never coming back again georgia sun and a houston rain i ain't never coming back again Water beetles, golden eagles, don't you know what's on my mind? There are canteens full of dreams, don't you know what's on my mind? Don't you know what's on my mind? Don't you know what's on my mind?
That's Don't You Know What's On My Mind from The Reservoir, which opens the record and sets the stage for its collection of 16 songs, both musically and thematically. Themes of the natural world pop up throughout this album. Kenny Roby draws inspiration from his time outdoors and is an avid bicyclist. The Reservoir was originally going to be recorded in the Mill Valley area of California in a studio that Neil Casal had worked in before, set in a picturesque spot overlooking the Pacific Ocean. Kenny was looking forward to simply showing up and playing, rather than having to take on production duties on top of playing like he had done many times before. But late in August 2019, he got the terrible news that Neil had committed suicide, and everything came to a halt. Literally one morning I was I was going to post a video about the, the crowdfunding campaign um, and a song I had done, a little video I had done, and uh, I was about to upload it and I get um, these texts from people man I'm really sorry about Neil and I was like well, what's going on and and Gary had I'd seen that Gary had called the night before and you know for some reason he just said hey uh, call me and um, I didn't see it till the next morning and I called him and, and Gary told me that, that Neil had died and that he killed himself and uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously all of us were completely thrown for a loop. Um, I knew he'd been struggling at times. But, uh, you know, I thought he'd been coming out of it. Uh, uh, I think he had for a while, and then he kind of went back down the hole, I guess. Um, you know, and at, at first, I, I didn't even think for a week or so, I didn't even really think about the record much at all. I wasn't really that concerned with it. And then um, Gary told me about the the letter that Neil had left, and one part of the letter it had said, you know, just to paraphrase, he'd said, uh, you know, Kenny, go go ahead and do the record. He said, uh, you know, it's all set up, um, everything's in place, and he said the work's already done, and you, you know, the songs are phenomenal, so really just get in there and do them. Um, and Neil and I. You know, Neil and I had talked, and and I'll have to edit the language here, but, you know, he said, basically, our goal is just to not to blank this up, you know, just not get in the way um, of these songs and, and just get your voice out there and let people hear the lyrics and everything else is just... Uh, just accompaniment to that. And uh, he said, uh, it, this should be easy. Um, and all we can do is mess it up by overthinking it. So let's not overthink it. And so um, Gary and I were sort of brainstorming like, well, you know, I really would still like somebody to produce this. I still don't want to go in and, and, and me kind of have to produce too much. I still just want to go in there and do my job of performing these songs and light arrangement with the band. But, um, and we sort of had the idea of, of, of talking to Dave. We, you know, Dave had been doing a lot more producing the last few years and, and uh, you know, Dave as well produced, you know, the hard work and American stuff. And that was sort of his baby. And, uh, I like that stuff and I really like that band. Um, and so we approached Dave and, and he was all about it. Um, and then I found out after talking to him 
on the phone. He goes, well, I got to tell you, I got to be honest. Neil's been sending me these songs of your demos already. Um, and he's, and he'd really been digging them. I guess the main difference with the Kenny Roby project from any other project I've ever done was I was stepping in to fulfill the goal of someone who's no longer with us. You know, Neil Casal and Kenny Roby were longtime friends. They'd done a lot of collaborating. They'd done a lot of touring together. They even released a, a live record as a sort of a duet. Um, and Neil and I, we obviously became very close in the hardworking Americans and and uh, we were always in touch, even after his tenure with that band was done. Um, we were always producing other things, and so we were always on each other. What are you doing? Let me hear some demos. What's going on? So I'd been hearing these Kenny Roby songs for a couple of months. Um, I was passing Neil things that I was doing in Nashville or out here, and and he was really hot on the Kenny Roby, and, and he was really psyched about the Jamie Wyatt record, too, that he played on for Shooter. Um, so I was familiar with these songs, but when he passed away and Gary and Kenny called me and said, can you help get this thing over the finish line? I was like, well, of course I can. And I'm already kind of familiar with the songs. So that was the main difference. Um, really something Neil and I always agreed on when it came to production or just interpreting music was to always serve the song. That's always been my motto. You know, a great song is a melody and lyrics that have some kind of meaning to the author. Um, when it gets released into the wild, the melody can be whistled in the shower, sung along to at the top of your lungs, driving down the highway. Um, and that pretty much stays the same, but the intent and the meaning behind the lyrics go into the greater consciousness. And a great song is written in a way to where it can mean something different to anyone who takes it in. Um, so serving the song was the main goal. And the way to do that with an artist like Kenny, who's been working on these songs, and they're so incredibly personal, um, is just to get out of the way, like, like he said. Um, just to, the, My main thing was keeping him focused uh, on his vision and just to help facilitate him get it across, getting it across the finish line. You know, it was a really, it's a special session coming so quickly on the heels of Neil's departure. Um, we all gathered together up at Applehead Studios in Woodstock. Fall was coming on, leaves were falling. You know how it looks on the East Coast. Sun goes down early. And we all had the events of the previous month, Neil's death and his celebration at the Capitol Theater. They were all... You know, when we came together, it all came back hard. Um, and the word morose would one be one that I could have used at first. And, you know, that's obvious. We're all emotional beings, and we all loved Neil greatly. And this was a project that Neil had under his wing uh, that he had talked about and put already put a lot of sort of pre-production love into. It was hard hump to get over, but we were cutting the song a uh, vampire song. And we, we were all gathered around a mic doing sort of a gang, uh, just like a woo-woo kind of thing. And it just got hilarious. And, I mean, Kenny literally fell down on the floor laughing. I mean, you know, we had to stop and laugh. And at that moment, you know, it was like, oh, okay, music is fun. Not everything is morose. We've lost a friend, but we're here to celebrate him. 
And after that, you know, it was like, damn it, Neil. You know, there was a goat that was trying to eat Kenny's sweater right off of his back. And uh, we decided that that goat must be named Neil for the rest of the session. So we'd go out and curse the goat. Damn it, Neil. Anytime anything went wrong or there was a glitch, there's Neil, the old prankster. Vampire Song, following part of my conversation with Dave Schools. His complete interview, as well as the entire conversation with Kenny Roby, is available on video, which is linked in the show notes. One part of Dave's conversation not included in this podcast that is well worth a listen is our talk about his observations of Southern culture and the Civil War, including how his new home state of California was involved in the conflict on the side of the Confederacy. 
Dave lives in Sonoma County, California, which is home to Civil War Days, an annual two-day reenactment that started in 1999. Vampire Song is a great example of the first-person narrative that is foundational to this album. I asked Kenny about all the emotion that is packed into the reservoir, which lays out everything from heartbreak and despair to humor and hope. This record was pretty straightforward lyrically, I think, and most of the content, it was just... It's just basically just sharing what I was going through. Um, a lot less metaphors and uh, a lot less um, character portraits um, like I would normally do in a lot of my songs. Um, uh, you know, just more like Hank Williams style, just straight up, you know, this is how I feel, this is what I'm going through. Um, just sort of an honest share. A friend of mine went to a, I think it was, a, she went to a songwriting workshop a few years back with uh, Mary Gaucher, and and she said that Mary had one main point that she was driving home uh, the whole time. She said, you know, you guys are good songwriters. Uh, you can you know, handle all kinds of writing and description. Um, and at some point in your songwriting, it gets to be about how honest you are. Um, and not in a cliche way, but just if you can be straightforward and be as honest and vulnerable as possible, that's what becomes great songwriting. Um, I think this record was more like that. It was just to be as honest as I could to still do it in an artistic way, but, but to be pretty straightforward and honest and just say, you know, this hurt, this this hurts, this sucks, this is what I'm going through, but I still have hope and I'm still going to work through it. And uh, here's sort of my process and to sort of share that process. I think um, as far as what I would hope people would get out of it um, or get from it is maybe that honesty is that maybe they'll hear something and identify with it a little bit and uh, and maybe you know, maybe have the courage to look at what they're going through a little deeper or to share that with other people, just sort of maybe give them permission to, to put it out there as well. Because I think whether it's depression or addiction, um, uh, suicidal tendencies, which, you know, I've had a few bouts with that. And of course, with my friend, Neil Casal killing himself and, um, and some other people that I know dying from, you know, slow death from overdose or suicide, or just, uh, even if they don't die, just suffering greatly. Um, I think that those dragons, as they call them, or the monsters or those diseases or whatever they are, I think they, they thrive in isolation. Um, as a lot of us are experiencing now, um, they kind of thrive in darkness and dampness and, uh, they get bigger there. You know, misery loves comp company also you know i'm not talking about wallowing in it i'm just talking about you know uh people relating to each other and uh i think humans really need that uh, i think we're experiencing that now we need uh no matter how much we think we're independent and want to be alone and we're original in our thoughts um i think we all uh have a lot more in common than we than we are different and um with our humanness and our human experience i think it's really important um, that we do have a sense of fellowship and community, and that's really hard right now. So I think, um, you know, a lot of people seem to be relating to this record now that may not have related so much to it six months ago before the pandemic and everything going on. And this pandemic, I think, magnifies some of this isolation that some of us already go through. So we have to be really careful. 
It doesn't just go away Why would it leave you find a perfect place to stay You think it's gone, it's patiently waiting in the hall Waiting on his master's call Resting on its rug, it's what it does Just Because, another standout tune from Kenny Roby's fifth solo album, The Reservoir. Thanks for listening to this episode of Southern Songs and Stories, and I hope you might tell someone you know about the series. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, you name it. And once you subscribe, it really helps when you give it a good rating and a review. Top ratings and reviews especially will make Southern Songs and Stories and the artists it profiles more likely to be found by more people just like you. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. 
Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW. Our theme songs are by Joshua Ming. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. I grew up uh, 70s and 80s in uh, Southern Catholic Church, um, so it wasn't so much gospel. It was. Um, it probably had as much to do with uh, a lot more to do with James Taylor <laughs> and Peter Paul and Mary than um, uh, than the Staple Singers. But we did listen to some of that stuff growing up. Um, my dad was big into Ray Charles and, um, you know, so there was some more like traditional gospel stuff around. Um, like I said, in the seventies, there was big folk movement in, uh, uh, in the Catholic church. Um, a lot of acoustic trios, um, doing things like be not afraid and those kind of songs. Um, so, you know, that had an effect on me. Uh, my sister's sang a lot of harmony together and they would sing old country songs or show tunes together. Um, my sisters were really good singers. My oldest sister, uh, not my oldest sister, my second oldest sister, Kathy, uh, went to Oberlin music conservatory for voice and she's an amazing singer. And, um, it was, you know, all state soloist in South Carolina in high school. So, yeah, my dad was a choir director. He was a baritone and a bass singer. He was also in um, barbershop quartets and choirs in upstate South Carolina. So that was around. A lot of show tunes um, and a lot of country, too. My dad was big into Hank Williams and also Don Williams and a lot of that 70s stuff and Charlie Pride. And they were also into a lot of vocalists, too, like uh, Johnny Mathis and Bing Crosby, um, some Sinatra. Um so there was a lot of vocal music around my house. Um, uh, not so much instrumental music. Um, if there was jazz, it would have been vocal jazz. Um, some classical. But yeah, definitely the singing thing definitely had an effect on me. I'm, I'm like one of the only non-trained singers <laughs> in my family, which is kind of ironic because I somewhat do it for a living. <laughs>